Nikki. Hey, Selena. And hello, everyone, and welcome to Sweet Tea and TV. Hey, y'all. <laughs> yeah. I feel like to start today off, we need to talk about something really important. Yes. 100%. Uh, 100%. You don't know what it is. What is it? <laughs> it's Bucky's. Oh, sure. Yeah, that's important. Yeah. And because I finally got my butt in gear and I went. Oh, we haven't talked since then. Well, we've on talked the show. on the show. Yeah, so okay. It's, and, and even you and I only really talked about it in passing. Right. Because I actually, just so everyone knows, I tried to hide it from Nikki the first time <laughs> I went. Because I, I, got, I got her a couple of birthday presents from there. And I, I, I don't know why I didn't think I could separate the two conversations. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, I hid it. Until it was like time for her birthday, and then and then it was I like opened. Awkward. I was like, Wait a minute! None you of went it was to Bucky's? Bucky's. Yeah, none of it was actually Bucky's. <laughs> it was all like another brand that I found at Bucky. The whole thing was I'm stupid. That's what you need to know. <laughs> it just it it maybe you didn't think it through all the way. That's the, probably the nicer way of putting it, but still. Um, so yeah, so I've been twice now, and um, I guess I just wanted to say that, like, uh, for those who haven't been, I, I'm gonna get on and plug it because you talked it up, and but like still, it, it's almost like the way that you take a picture, and it can be a beautiful picture. But it's not the same as standing in mm -hmm. front of that amazing thing, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And that's what Bucky's was like for me. So well, you went twice in the matter of like a, a month, right? Three weeks. Yeah. So it must have really landed hard with you. So I've been to Adairsville now. So the one here in Georgia, which you tell me is not the biggest one. The biggest that's one right. in Georgia is in Warner Robins. That's that I think that's right. Okay. I don't have the square footage for sure, but I've been to both. We'll give you a pass. And I can say that the Warner Robins one felt bigger somehow. But that could be part and parcel of the fact that it was my first experience at Bucky's. So that always... Everything's like, ah! Nothing ever compares so to your first. Bucky's. Or so trip. I've been told. Okay. Um, so the other place that I went was Alabama. That's... I just went like... It was last week. And I went on the way... I came there on the way back from Gulf Shores. Right. Okay. And we just happened upon it. And I was like, oh! In case he hadn't been. We happened upon it too, but it wasn't open yet when we happened upon it. Yeah. So good for you. Well, it was very similar to the one in Adairsville. Like, oh. Even where it was positioned on the road, if you had just dropped me there and blindfolded me and then took the blindfold off, I would have thought I was in Adairsville. Oh. I don't mm -hmm. think I would have known. I'm also, I realize as I say this, like not the best person to do that trick to. Oh. <laughs> um, but so I stayed three and a half hours the first time I went. So Does that blows your mind, doesn't That's it? That's ridiculous. It blows your mind. We, ate, so my mom was like also, she's really the one that was just like, you have to go, you have to go. And like, so she came. You have to go to Bucky's, yes. not you have to leave Bucky's. We've been here three and a half hours. Well, that was at the end of the trip. Got it. I don't think any, because my mom is also like, I can stay in a place for a long time, like browsing. I'm a big browser. Oh my God. So I, I can do that and mm. hang in there. I, I need to see everything. Well, okay. In all fairness, we drove two hours. That's true. I need to spend some time there. It's true. I get because that. Because if I'm going to be in the car for four hours, wherever I'm going needs to be worth it. Fair enough. But what I will say is it 
it was worth it. Like, and I say that with like a little tinge because if someone is driving for two hours, I do need you to know at the end, you're going to a convenience store plus. <laughs> like, I think that's important for people to realize. I don't appreciate that categorization. I. You're going to the target of convenience stores. That's, I think that's a good comparison. So can I tell you about some of my favorite things there? Yes, please. Okay. So, the, well, the first thing I want to say is it truly is massive. It's like almost like a sleeper from the outside. You don't, like, it, yeah. you're like, okay, this is really big for a gas station, but you right. don't know until you're standing on one side of that thing and looking directly across the other side of the thing. It looks like you're looking down a football field. Yeah, it, and it's just full of so many disparate but all amazing things. Like, there's not one section I walked in and was like, this section's not for me. Like, I still want to look at it all. It's yeah. still cool. I didn't buy all the hunting gear, but I like walking through the section. Yeah. I think, though, you know, so whether you're like a jams and jellies person, mm -hmm. they have their own of all of that. And like, uh, you know, like the pickled okra kind of stuff and that kind of thing. And then uh, for me, the highlights were when I saw that icy section. Oh, yeah. I am such a sucker for ices. It's like one of my very favorite treats of all time. Oh, I didn't know that about you. <sighs> I love a Coke Icy. Oh. It's like, I mean, that is up there in just the tippy top of treats. So when I saw that wall of ices, I was like, <laughs> oh, my goodness, I'm home. I'm here now. Uh, I also really love they had um, Dippin' Dots. That was super exciting for me. Oh, I think I might have missed that. Yeah. But I'm not a big Dippin' Dots person, yeah. so... It's behind the fudge. Okay. Um, okay. So, like, so they have two of my very favorite frozen treats, and then they have a huge coffee section. And so I got some sort of cinnamon bun, like, mm -hmm. like sweet coffee situation, which, as you know, is not really my go-to, but it was a treat day. So I was like, I'm going to live it up. Right. It's my version of living it up, I know. It's sad. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm a sad person. Um, but I really like the fact they're like on the honor system or something. So I just like walked around with my beverage and drank it and just oh. paid for it at the end with all of my things in the cart. I think some people think most stores are like that. Oh. Have you ever seen people like walking around the grocery store eating snacks? Yeah. Yeah. I've desperately done that before when I've been really hungry. Oh, yeah. It's not something I do a lot. But yeah. if I, there's been like two times where I'm like, I'm about to do some hunger shopping and I right. better have this thing of like mixed nuts mm. before I buy out the entire store. Yeah. Um, but oh, that's a good point. Maybe they're not on the <laughs> system. <laughs> and I'm just like walking around with like ices. I paid for everything at the end. Is what I'm I think to say. gas stations have to be that way. What I'm trying to say is they didn't yell at me. <laughs> so that was nice. Food. Southern hospitality. I want to say the food was surprisingly good because I'd heard people talk about it, and it, but it's, it's fine. You just, but you have to try it for yourself. Right. And what I want to say really stood out is like I had both the chopped and sliced brisket. <laughs> I mean, you were there three hours. Well, I also took several sandwiches home. Sure. Okay. And and accidentally got the other kind. <laughs> and oh. That's how I got both kinds. Because I wanted Casey to be able to try some stuff too. Right. But what really stood out to me on, then like, um, my stepdad, David, he got the pulled pork sandwich. So I was able to try that. My mom got the club. So I was able to try oh, that. Cool. What I want to say was the standout in all of those was the bread. Oh. Very fresh. Good. Very delicious. Good. I also tried the kolaches. Kolaches. This is, um, I can't, this is because it's Texas based. I want to say it's Czech. 
Okay. And it's uh, kind of like a like a stuffing inside of a roll. And they're like different kinds. I had a pecan pie one. And I also had a sausage, cheese, and jalapeno one. And then I had a sausage on a stick and a tortilla. <laughs> I just, I'm thinking about all this food I had now. And I'm a little embarrassed. I think I tried every food there. Good for you. Are you looking for the kolaches I'm right looking now? it up because this is not familiar to me at all. And this is back in there like where you go and pick up, uh, they have sandwiches and stuff yeah in the back. it's all back i there. you know to be fair i haven't spent a ton of time in that section or three and a half hours probably. <laughs> sure uh deli places like walk up and order places really stress me out i'm much better like ordering in advance if oh I have see to my mom was there oh and uh-huh. like i went and got something else and she went and did the communicating right okay As, yes i am 37 years old and i still don't like to talk to people so it just is overwhelming, especially in a it place is. like I get very, I love Bucky's. Well, then I'm like looking at something K-O-L-A-C-H-E and I'm like, oh, I don't know how to I have no that. idea how to pronounce that. Yeah, I but am this is very my mom. overwhelmed. But this is my mom. She grabs the first person she sees that works there. And she's like, hey, honey, darling, sugar pie, honey, bunch. And she's like, I, what is this word up here? Yeah. Automatically said, whereas I'd be over there Googling it, right. trying to figure it out. Pronunciation guide. Uh-huh. Yeah. Nope, not mom. She just, she just, she's writing it. And then she's like, okay, well, baby doll, what is that? And I'm going to need seven. And then, and then, so she like waits for me to describe. Then she catches them later on to tell, cause I was like, oh, this is good, but it could use a sauce. That's what I said. She catches them later on. She oh said, no. She said, honey, we really liked it, but you know, these could really use a sauce. And they've seen 700 people between her and they're like, okay. I guarantee you they remember my mom. Though. <laughs> Guaranteed. That's great. So it's like, we couldn't be more polar opposite when it comes to that. I think I want to be that person Me in too. my head. I'm that person. I'm not that person at all. I'm so full of questions and I'm so curious and I want to give feedback, but I am so trained that that's too much. My mom has never met a stranger and I literally don't know the people's names next door. So <laughs> the, and the thing that I just try and remind myself is it takes all it kinds. It takes all kinds. You though. need a, you need a Sabrina and a Selena. I'm still not sure what you need the latter for, but I'm Aww. absolutely sure I know what you need the former for. You hear that mom? There's only one way to know if you're listening to hear these compliments. Uh, the last thing I'll say about Bucky's is that I want to say that when you said we had a conversation about their home goods section. Oh, yeah. And I just didn't realize it was going to be as good as it was. Yeah. That is where I spent the bulk of my time. Uh, that makes sense. That, that's on brand for you, I feel like. I spent a lot. Because then I need to, like, evaluate everything. Yeah. And I do a lot of, like, should I have this? I like to put it in the buggy. I like to walk around with the buggy a few times. I like to think about it. I like to put it back. Mm-hmm. I like to put it back in the buggy. So there's a lot of that. I get that. But what I do want to say is for people who are considering, should I go to Bucky's? Should I go not go to Bucky's? When we get to the home good place, I, it is no longer a convenience store. It is a magical slice of heaven. It is. They had some really good stuff. They, it is. It is really. Now, is there some things that are less quality? Absolutely. Yeah. Are there things that are of good quality? Absolutely. So go take a look, guys. That's what I'm trying to say. And if you want the original segment, I was looking it up while you were talking. It was this season, <laughs> season uh-huh. three, episode three, where we talked about Bucky's, our road uh-huh. trip episode. Mm-hmm. So if you need the original segment to know what Selena's talking about. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, that's for y'all. <laughs> We know where it is. 
And you should go listen because there was a lot of really good information in there. Um, about yes, the things crucial that, information. Very important. You need to know about the all the jerkies. But like, I'm serious. I'm like Bucky's one woman promotional show because I have another friend that I was just like, I've talked about Bucky so many times. She finally texted me a couple weeks ago. and was like, we stopped on the way you driving. You stop now. And she was like, it's overwhelming. I don't know. I didn't get the sense she really was a full on Bucky's convert the way that you are uh, because she was just like, there, it was just a lot. It was just overwhelming. Well, she didn't give herself the appropriate three and a half hours to work her way through. Three and a half hours. You've got to time the trip. You don't want to go during peak Bucky's hours. I'm trying to convince Kyle oh, to go in the middle of the night. Oh, we went in peak Bucky's hours. That is one thing I should actually say. Yeah. I'm trying to convince Kyle to go in the middle of the night so I can really enjoy myself. That was tough. Yeah. That, w- that I think was it's tough. like 1030 in the morning until if I had to guess like seven o'clock at night. That's like peak time. Maybe you hit a lull around 3, 3.30, but... The only time I can recall seeing that many people in one place... Well, two times, um, is uh, any sporting event mm-hmm. around a woman's bathroom, especially. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, and yes, the bathroom is very clean and very well organized. And actually, what I would say is, if I was in charge at a sporting event venue... I would hire the Bucky's bathroom team sure. mm-hmm. to get in there and really work through the women's bathroom. Let me tell you something, sporting events, places. Uh, you would probably get even more people to come out to your events if women could get through your restrooms a little bit more quickly. So just a plug from me to you. This is a good idea. Go get the Bucky's team to get them in the bathrooms. <laughs> Just an aside. <laughs> Just an aside for an aside on the side. <laughs> uh, this is actually uh, maybe a good place for us to talk about the show. Oh, fine. <laughs> fine. We'll stop talking about Bucky's. Uh, this week, we've got Odell. Uh, the Hulu episode description is, It shades of Romeo and Juliet as two feuding mountain families descend on the women of Sugar Bakers. Air date March 6, 1989. We're calling this one the Hatfields and the McCoys ATL style. Can I stop there? Sure. That's a horrible description. Oh, the Hulu description? Yeah. So I just want to say that, like, Charlene's brother and his girlfriend want to run away from Poplar Bluff to elope in Atlanta because their dads have been feuding for two decades. I just feel like that's what's happening. Like, I know you don't want to, you don't want to give too much away. You've in just the given the whole episode away. I mean... Not the You've end. You've left us nothing to talk about, Selena. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and hang up. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> See you later. Uh, it was written by LBT, Cassandra Clark, and Deborah Pearl. Is this the most co-writers we've seen? I think Three so. feels like a lot. Um, Cassandra and Deborah have a writing credit for the TV show Delta, which starred Delta Burke. Uh, it was directed by Dwayne Hickman. Uh, Selena tells me Dwayne has quite a resume. He played the lead in the late 50s, early 60s sitcom The Many Loves of Dobie Gillis, opposite Bob Denver of Gilligan and Gilligan's Island fame. And he had a handful of directing credits in the late 80s and early 90s, uh, including this show, as well as Sister, Sister, Charles in Charge, and Head of the Class. Uh, unfortunately, he died in January of this year at the age of 87. Yeah, and I want to say, like, normally I wouldn't put that much information, but it was interesting to me. I think this is the first director we've seen with like um, a, a really, uh, sorry for the word robust, um, but acting filmography. Right. 
Uh, we haven't seen that a lot. And yeah. this, I think, it, I, I was not familiar with this show, but just reading through it, I think it was a pretty big deal at the time. The Dobie Gillis. Okay. The many loves of Dobie Gillis. Yeah. Okay. I think it was a, it was a, it was a hit. So. Okay. So general reactions and stray observations. Where do you want to start? For me, this one had some almost annoyingly coincidental timing. So it was just like, it was kind of like frustrating as a viewer Odell shows up at Sugar Baker's, and then only minutes behind him, uh, his and Charlene's dad shows up, and then immediately followed by Sissy's dad. They all randomly know the right place to go to. Mm. Uh, also, Charlene and Odell's dad drove all the way to Atlanta from Missouri on a hunch. No phone calls made, no checks. I just thought that was kind of weird. And then how did Sissy's dad know to go there? They're in a feud. They don't talk. Mm-hmm. So I, I I don't know. And they were able to show up at the same time in minutes apart. I'm not saying we couldn't patch together explanations. We absolutely could. Maybe the wives still talk. I get it. But I'm just saying this is, again, a place where I feel like we're taking so many leaps that it's like taking me out of the show. Right. I want to comment on that, but I I feel like either, this feels like something normally I would have noticed. I'm a very big plot hole person. It just drives me crazy. And I, I'm totally fine to say it's a plot hole. I'm willing to suspend uh, disbelief or whatever most of the time. It's interesting to me that I didn't pick up on any of that. So I'm feeling like maybe there was some script that explained this and I'm forgetting it. Oh, uh-huh. But yeah, that those would be really big leaps to have to make. And if, if, if it is that, like, if you go through cut lines or something and it starts to come together, then the other thing is, is, like, Hulu, you're making some bad yeah. cuts. I don't think those things come up in the cut lines if memory serves. And I do agree with what you're saying. Like, it is okay to suspend, like, a little bit of reality when you're watching a show. I just, for me, it's just, like, one or two things, but when it's just, like, over and over and over again. And this yeah. isn't to say I don't think the episode was enjoyable. It's just that was my overall general reaction to this episode well i have to say i did not find this episode particularly enjoyable Mm -hmm. um in fact we talk about this a lot how we sort of pre-watch the season before we really dig into everything just to sort of know where we're going this season to sort of have an idea of some of the things that are coming up oftentimes i've forgotten by the time we get to the episode and we're actually talking about it i've forgotten what i saw in pre-watch except like there's something about charlene's brother this season i did remember with this one i did not remember it being a great watch it was better on rewatch, but this is not one of my favorites. Yeah. And, and so I, did you have other general reactions? Well, the other one I have was originally in my dislikes. Um, and I, I moved it up to a general reaction cause it's a thread that sort of weaves throughout the episode. Um, and it's just the thread of homophobia that ran through the episode. Oh yeah. Um, so Charlene seemed like super upset that worst case scenario, her brother was coming to tell her he was gay. Uh, which doesn't track one with Charlene as a person. And it doesn't track with what we experienced with Kendall in that episode, Killing All the Right People, where they were very understanding and appreciative of him. Mm -hmm. He's someone they knew and they didn't want him to go through these terrible things. So I think it tracks with the history of Charlene's life, the way she was raised, where she was raised, all these things that we've learned about her along the way. They're a conservative family, blah, blah, blah. But it just felt 
cheap. Uh, yeah, I wonder if some of it is, for, first of all, that feels very 80s. That whole thing did, right? Mm. Um, and, 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 and then they're in the 80s. So it's going to not be a 2022 bend on um, the LGBTQ community, right? Well, and I think that it tracks, again, and I think this is the point I want to make sure to articulate about this. Mm-hmm. It bums me out. It is bummed. It bums it me out, mm-hmm. but I th- I'm, pro- I'm sure it was not homophobia on the part of the writers. I think that it was a strategic decision about what would have been worst case scenario for someone in Charlene's situation in that point in, in time. 1989. In yeah, 19, it, absolutely. Yes. So it tracks with her character. It's yeah. just, it's really hard for me to pull that apart from my rewatch that like Charlene is this overwhelmingly kind, empathetic person. She has experienced having a friend who was gay, someone who meant a lot to her and watching what that did to their lives. And still that's the first thing that registers for her is, oh my God, my brother's coming to tell me he's gay. It just bummed me out. Right. And it made it hard to watch the episode. Right. And it is like, and I think it is such a, it is such a snapshot of where this country was then. Yeah. Um, and it changed a lot. Yeah. So that, that was another general reaction. That was just really hard for me to watch. And then my last one was just that um, as hard as that was for me to watch, I loved watching Anthony and Bernice together. And I feel like that's a pairing we don't get very often. So that was delightful. But maybe it's the pairing we always need. I think so. Strays? <sighs> Mary Jo went on a diatribe about pantyhose. Mm-hmm. And then that led to a rant about male inventors. And it was just a shame to me that we would skip over that and not talk about some fantastic female inventors. Mm-hmm. So this is a stray. But I had a couple things I wanted Are to flag for you. Are you about to Nikki's sidebar? <laughs> I've got a Nikki's sidebar with no music. Okay. Um, I should redo. Because you put in the music. I should redo your Selena sidebar music, but just like every now and then go, Nikki. Nikki. <laughs> Please sidebar. Do. Nikki's sidebar. <laughs> I love it. It's a sidebar, Nikki. Sidebar, she's got a keyboard looking for a reward by digging deep in the obscure, taking us on a detour. What you got, Nikki? In Nikki. Sidebar. Um, but I just have a handful of them that I just thought would be interesting to talk about. The ice cream maker was invented by a woman. In 1843, Nancy Johnson created her double-cylinder hand-cranked ice cream maker invention. Wow, that's cool. So thanks, Nancy, for ice cream. (laughs) Yes, thank you, Nancy. Uh, A dishwasher that actually cleaned. Prototypes of dishwashers existed before 1872, but Josephine Cochran was the first to think of using water pressure instead of scrubbers to clean the dishes. Huh. Well. I know. (laughs) The coffee filter was invented by Melita Bentz in 1908. You'll still see Melita branded products in the grocery store. Um, they're named after this German entrepreneur who invented the filter as an easier way to make coffee. I'll have to be on the lookout for that. Um, and then I'm going to link to an article in our show notes um, because it has a lot more examples, but it included things like caller ID, laser cataract surgery, Kevlar, Scotchgard, all invented by women. So as terrible as pantyhose are, and actually pantyhose were invented by a man for sure, Sure. but it was because his wife didn't like, I think it was like garter belts or something. They were just hard for her to handle, maybe during pregnancy or something. So he invented pantyhose actually to solve a problem for her. Oh, and they nice. worked together on it. She yeah. sewed them. He got credit, but they did it She didn't together. like the garter belt? She didn't that like it. That wasn't a good time? She didn't like it. <laughs> That's so strange. Um, other strays? 
the last one I wanted to point out was that there's a different Bud Frazier in this episode than we had in season one, episode 17, Nashville bound. Mm -hmm. That one was James Ray. This time we had Sandy Kenyon. Mm -hmm. And on that note of like continuation and consistency, Mm -hmm. um, according to the cut lines I reported on in episode 11, the name Odell was ringing for me for some reason. Uh, Odell is the brother Charlene and her friend watch sleep with no pants on. Um, there was like this whole cut line again, this is episode 11 where she said they like propped a flashlight up and watched him. And it was just really weird. It's weird because he's 19 now and Charlene is at least a decade older. So that would have made her watching her nine year old naked brother, even if it was like a decade. It's just a weird continuity thing. It made it even, it made the story even weirder. Right. It was a weird story in the first place. And then the fact that it would have been her little, little brother just odd. So, okay. I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, that'll stick with me. Thank you. They're strays, man. I told you I had some strays this week. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. no. That's well, that's the category. So, thank you. So, mine is actually about Odell too, which is I was just curious, like if his accent, because we had a lot, we had a lot of mountain people coming in. So, I just wanted to know if that hit for you or not. It did not. I didn't even notice. I so I looked him up. He's from Ohio. Um, and my reaction is, I'd say he was laying it on pretty thick. Mm. So. Okay. Um, but yeah. You're probably right. Uh, and I also noticed the thing with Charlene's dad. Just a little sneak peek. It's very possible we might see a third Bud Frazier. Oh. So this, prepare, this prepare yourself. Yes. We're going to see a third Bud Frazier. Cool. So, yeah. So bring it on, baby. Brace yourselves. Give me another stray. Mm-hmm. Well, I took it. But we'll talk about it then. Right. So uh, what'd you like in this one? Bernice, just in general. And then the idea of Bernice being married to a man whose family owned a circus. It tracks. And oh, I, I love forgot it. about that part. Yeah, that was nice. I love it. Nice. Again, I always love when we leave sugar bakers. This time we left to go to a temple. So yep. that was fun. Just a little different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my last one is that I really liked that touching moment at the end where Charlene lectured her father on family. I thought this was a totally absurd episode and not my favorite, but that really made it sensitive and personal. It's what's Jean Smart. Yeah, she delivered that really beautifully. This was also a like for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we just continue to see her acting chops and it just, I don't know, it's really... I think that's been one of the really interesting things on this, um, what I guess is technically a rewatch for me in some regards, but like seeing the gene smart that's out there now and Mm -hmm. really actually getting some, um, well-deserved accolades Mm -hmm. and then watching and you just see it here. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, man, she's really good. Um, that scene could have read really cheesy Mm -hmm. and it didn't for me. I, I thought it was really nice. It was really nicely done. I could see where it w- could have felt really lame and the acting just did it justice. I liked it. Totally agree. Um, so I, I have Anthony and Bernice as comic relief. Yeah. That's one of my likes. And their, their big dance uh, contest costume reveal when things are getting tense between the feuding fathers. <laughs> and then my absolute favorite part of this little runner between the two of them is... Um, Bernice like forgets about the dance oh, contest yeah. completely like while they're there dressed like, in their costumes their costumes that look like the dance contest costumes from some Saved by the Bell episode <laughs> um, 
And she asks Anthony if they're dating since they're dressed alike. <laughs> Which is actually a thing that happens where I know some couples like purposely do it. Whereas like if Casey and I even both come out in blue, I'm like, one of us has to change. We have to change. Yeah. We can't go out like this. Somebody, How embarrassing. Somebody's got to make a move. Kyle and I can't even order the same thing at a restaurant. That freaks me out too much. Well, don't you also want to taste something different? That's you that's do, definitely but maybe Kyle doesn't. Yeah, Kyle would never taste mine. But it's definitely part of it, but more like and and there's like a financial aspect. Somehow in my head, I can't get past paying the same amount of money to order just double the food. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, I'm just like, you should get something different. So we definitely have to strategize around ordering. Yeah, it's half of marriage. It is. Or a relationship. It is. Yeah. For you sure. don't have to be married to fight over food. Or a friendship. Like if you end up at the same restaurant. Friends. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh gosh. It's like an 80 hour ordeal. It is. Um, the, I have one more like, mm-hmm. and that's that <laughs> Suzanne gets fed up towards the end when Bud and Mr. Sloan are fighting. And she says, I don't usually get involved in these backwoods <laughs> brouhaha's. <laughs> <laughs> and I just love that. <laughs> Uh, so things we didn't like, what do you have? I've already said the overly coincidental timing took me out. Yeah. But I'll also say that the pacing was a little weird. So I don't know if you noticed this or not, but we didn't actually get to the main plot of the episode until almost a third of the way through. I will admit that a third of 22 minutes isn't the longest amount of time, but exactly. Yeah. 22 minutes is not a long amount of time. So you need to really use every minute of that episode. And I just think that uh, it made the end feel especially rushed. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I feel robbed that we didn't get to see Anthony and Bernice cut a rug. (laughs) Same. Yeah. I had the same exact this Did you really? Did you also say cut a rug? Uh, Get down with their bad selves. two sides of the same coin no yeah that was that was sad to me uh and then also just the like i said earlier the threat of homophobia it it felt cheap i understand there's probably a strategic because i don't think lbt and her co-writers are homophobic i don't think that so i think there's probably a really good reason it was there it's just really hard to disentangle that i think it's a sign of the times i actually had something and then i took it out only because i i i I was like oh we covered this a few times and i just like but i'm glad i'm really glad that you brought it up because i also don't want to gloss over things so thank you um (laughs) For unlazying my lazy. I don't think it was lazy, but you're welcome that I could bring that back up for you. I, th- but it, it is, it, it is something that's, uh, it's not like it's gone away yeah. for starters, yeah. but it was something that is so, I think, uh, it, it just hits harder now that we are here in life. So yeah. I, I Googled it a little bit cause I was curious, like if this is anything anybody's ever noticed before and that nothing came back with designing women, uh, obviously lots of things with friends. Cause I think that's gotten a lot of heat in the most recent years for how homophobic and transphobic it is. But it led me to a Buzzfeed article that included examples of times these things have happened. And there were some interesting perspectives in the comments and there's, it's not always that way, but I thought it was really interesting to hear it from both angles. And someone made the point that, like the show writers don't have to 
teach people that these things are wrong. And sometimes they put those things in there for a strategic reason, like to get people thinking about it or because it tracks with a character's backstory or something. So I don't, again, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater with it by pulling it out and saying like, this is the worst thing in the world, but it just feels weird to gloss over because it was something that stuck with me the entire freaking episode. Can I also say that I think you just said something that was really important Two perspectives. Yeah. Multiple perspectives. For sure, yeah. It's almost like instead of yelling at one another, we should have a conversation. It's interesting, no? It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Anyhow. You want to rate this sucker? I do. What'd you give it? Uh, I gave it three out of five pantyhose that can survive a hangnail. I like it. I guess I was really into the pantyhose thing. I don't know. It's an okay watch. Uh, I put it off for a couple of days because I, I just really wasn't looking forward to it. But when I finally watched it, like, it was fine. It wasn't my favorite. So. Yeah. I feel like three out of five now that I'm looking at it, I'm like, that feels generous. But that's what I gave it. Well, we're very close. Okay. I gave it 3.2 out of five backwoods brouhaha. <laughs> I just really like that. I'm going to I'm gonna have to tuck that away in my back pocket. I uh, have family from the backwoods, so I feel like I'm You're like going to pass, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, I think the idea was cute. The execution was a little off. Yeah. So uh-uh. who won the episode and who butted off biscuits? So I think there were a few potential winners in this one, um, but I ended up going with the rabbi. He was on screen for like maybe 30 seconds, but he played a really important role. He was the kid's last ditch effort, but he shared a few words of wisdom that slowed their momentum enough to talk some sense into him. So I really liked that. Yeah. All right. I like that take. I have Bernice and Anthony. They danced their way into my heart once again in this episode. They were top contenders for me, as was Suzanne, because she was the voice of reason at the very end. Because she was the one that said, like, I usually don't get involved in the backwoods brouhaha's, but you guys are being silly. Yeah. You're just taking too long. Yeah. But the 22 minutes is all this stuff. <laughs> uh, so that was it. Okay. Who lost this episode? Who served us lumpy gravy? I think this one's cheap because they were meant to look like jackasses, which is the word they used about 12 times in the last two minutes of the episode. But it was Bud Frazier and Earl Sloan. They were bickering for such dumb reasons, and it made them look like lumpy gravy. Yeah. <laughs> ah, looking like lumpy gravy. That's tough. <laughs> um, I have that we lost because we never got to see Bernice and Anthony. It's <laughs> true. This is really a recurring theme for me in this one, which I think shows you how much I was into that plot. Yeah, for sure. All I wanted to do was have a webisode <laughs> with Bernice and Anthony. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, let's talk about some 80s things. Okay. Uh, pantyhose being the wardrobe issue of the Number day. one. Oh my God, could you imagine? Yeah. I'd be lucky if I get like any sort of waistband on my pants these well, days. we're very American. I don't know if you know that or not. Oh, so yeah. So when you're over in like, I feel like other countries, they wear, they're not necessarily pantyhose. They're like some kind of sheer tight. Oh, but, I don't know this. Um, but like when I was in Paris, I felt like all of the like 20 somethings and it was fall. Like, obviously you're not going to be like in summertime and be like, I think I'll put on something very hot. So they're kind of practical. Um, I Like a well, legging stand Chic. You know, like we're over here in our long t-shirts and our leggings. Let me just say that. Selena makes us sound like trolls. Well, 
you kind of feel like one when you're out when you're out of the U.S. I did the whole time. It was like you were just very much so like you might as well just write America mm. <laughs> across your chest. And I'm like, whatever. I'm comfortable. <laughs> I'm comfortable in my leggings. Um, but yeah, it did feel like there was a lot of like skirts, sheer tights, sweater situations. They looked real cute. I did feel like a troll. Does that count? <laughs> I don't know. We also have the Geraldo Rivera show. It's like our list is in exact order. <laughs> okay, perfect. Probably just in order of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a daytime talk show that Geraldo Rivera, who was an American journalist, who is an American journalist and commentator, hosted and produced for 11 years. The show was labeled Trash TV by Newsweek and several U.S. senators. Ah. <laughs> well, Geraldo's worn a number of hats. Yes. Journalist, attorney, author, and political commentator. But that's why he's here, right? Yeah. Sitting in the 80s category is sure. this TV show that was on for yes. 10 years or whatever. Right. Uh, and then I wrote down rec- red wax lips candy because Charlene mentions this, that her and her brother love to use these. And that just feels like 80s to me. They're in that category of like those little wax Coca-Cola bottle candies sure. that you peel the lid off. So I wanted to mention that here. The People's Court, um, which I get confused with Judge Judy. Or I did in my head until I like kind of dug into it a little bit. But they're... they're Similar ilk. TV shows about an arbitrator helping settle small claims in a simulated courtroom. Mm-hmm. They get very dramatic. According to Wikipedia, the, the original People's Court ran from 81 to 93. It's still on? And the current revival debuted in 97. That's crazy, right? That's, it is crazy. This I is mean, the Judge Wapner show. I, I can kind of hear the theme music in my head as they're like walking through the doors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because it was like the thing that would like interrupt my cartoons. When oh, I was like a kid and yeah. I'd be like, I'm trying to watch Disney or whatever it was probably like more like a Nickelodeon situation. Right. But, um, yeah. So that's, that always sticks in my head as just being this interrupter, a disruptor, if you will. Oh, see, and I loved watching it and I get them all confused because I feel like I would just sort of flip through and see which one, because there were several that were on at one point in time. They're all very dramatic. Does Judy still on? Yeah. Cause uh, I, she went off the air in, in oh, 2020 or 2021, right. but she's in like a, another show now, like yeah. judge Judy ended and now she's got something else going on. Yeah. She's not completely gone. Yeah. One of my oldest friends, I mean like not old for the planet, but like oldest friendships. Um, she is a huge judge Judy. Fan. She's Loves glorious. Her. She is who we all should aspire to be in terms of just being like, Really forthright and not taking any of the BS. Yeah, I think that's a lot to do with why she loves her. But, like, I mean, like, so I would go over to her house in high school after um, school. (laughs) Oh, so well articulated. Um, But anyways, I would go over to her house, and um, she watched it religiously every afternoon. And I'm telling you, three years ago, I would text her, and she would be watching Judge Judy. Like, big fan. It's a good show. Uh, and the last one I had in this category is only sort of relevant. It's Sears Roebuck undershirts. Mm-hmm. It just felt old. I don't know how to say well, that. Well, Roebuck's not really a part <laughs> of the scenario anymore. And Sears is barely part of the scenario. Sorry, Sears. Um, so I have one that's kind of like the flip side of what you brought up in uh, Nikki Sidebar earlier, <laughs> which I loved. I really <laughs> hope you do that to the Nikki's ripoff of Selena Sidebar. Um, so there's the, in that exchange, what I was picking up on was basically them calling NASA out for having very few women scientists. Oh, that was sort of my read on the, 
So I also love that, like, you picked up on another part. Basically, what we were both telling the world to do is be better, but different ways. <laughs> so I wound up um, double-checking because, you know, I think that was very much so of the time period. Like, well, maybe if we had a couple more female scientists around, we would have this pantyhose situation figured out. Right. But I wound up uh, looking into NASA, and at least as of 2019, women are still a pretty big minority at the agency. Are they an agency? I forgot yeah, how are they so. deemed. Anyways, um, looks like only a quarter of their AST physical scientists were women at the time. That was just three years ago. So. Oh, dang. Yeah. Let's think. Let's bring it down. Southern things. I have several. Uh, I brought up, they said hillbilly. I brought it up mostly so that I could plug your season one, episode four segment. Let's talk about Hicks, baby. Let's talk about Rednecks 2. Let's talk about Billies from the Hill and what they do. Let's talk about Hicks. I brought that up for you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, it stuck with me all these seasons later. Mammy and Pappy Yoakum is something that um, Julia says. I feel like I know this, but not like I could never have explained this without looking it up. The Lil Abner comic strip about a fictional hillbilly clan who live in Dogpatch, USA. And Dogpatch is actually, I've heard that as a reference in like um, movies and stuff. It's in the movie Overboard. She says something about being from Dogpatch. I never realized it was related to this. Um, I but love that movie. Wait, the original or the remake? The, I've never seen the remake. Me the original either. is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, this, this comic strip, so this is a comic strip, ran for 43 years from 1934 to 1977. That feels like a really, really long time. The 30s to the 70s. Um, there's a quote in the Wikipedia article about this comic strip that says the illustrator of the comic, quote, had a profound influence on the way the world viewed the American South. And then I think as we learned from this episode reference, maybe it wasn't the most flattering. I think I think that's right. He was also from Connecticut. Mm, well, there um, you go. And I'm just, come on, man. <laughs> you don't get to do that. I think people, so I've heard, I feel silly because I've definitely heard about Lil Abner several yeah. times, but I never cared enough to ask mm. so like when i would hear about this character in conversations i just assumed it was something from a long time ago and yeah. just kept kept it moving right um and so this was the first time that i'd really looked into it so i just wanted to attack on a couple of things yokum is a combination of yokel and hokum sure uh like a local yokel um, and this is an uneducated and unsophisticated person from the countryside. Hokum is a particular song type of American blues music. So I say all that to say that, uh, that last name, I don't think is a compliment. Mm. So I, it's just, but I do actually think that these were very beloved characters. That's where it gets challenging, mm. right? Mm -hmm. Because it did probably introduce a ton of stereotypes, for 43 years? Yeah. There were 60 million readers, by the way. And it was international, too. Mm -hmm. So this is also the way that people outside of the U.S. view the American South. So I, I think it's like some good and some bad, I guess. Because yeah. if they are lovable, then I think that part is fine. If they think that everyone is a backwoods brouhaha, right. then we have a little trouble on our hands. That's okay. We're fixing it. We're fixing <laughs> it right now. <laughs> with this show. What other Southern things did you have? Moonshine? Um, I cannot remember now when that came up. It was a uh, hillbilly traits mentioned by Julia. She says, 
I think she's trying to paint a picture of smoking corn cob pipes and drinking moonshine. That's right. Okay. Uh, so for anyone who doesn't know, moonshine is a high proof liquor that has historically been made illegally, quote, by the light of the moon. I feel like we should probably do something at some point on moonshine. I, f- I feel like we've maybe talked about that before because um, moonshine. Can cocktails? Maybe. Moonshine also has to do with the start of NASCAR. That's how they got started stock car racing was because they were driving as quickly as they could through the night so they didn't get stopped by the police um, to transport moonshine. So there's a lot to it. Yeah, this, this I think, it's almost starting to feed into this week's extra sugar. Mm. So I don't, I don't want to, like, this isn't actually something I really cover, but, like, moonshine became illegal, like, it, they were already doing it. Right when these law federal laws were passed, yeah. said that that, that that type of distilling was no longer allowed, yeah, and it really cut off people's like a financial method for people. That is a really weird way to say that, but you know what I'm saying. So yeah. like they were really um, hitting people's pockets with mm-hmm. that, and I and I what I think would be interesting is to and I haven't had time to dig into this yet, but I want to out of just my own personal interest. And we could come here and talk about it if you want to, but it's like, what drove that? Mm-hmm. I'm sure I had nothing to do with the government making money. I'm sure that mm. had nothing to do with it. So <laughs> right. I'm sure it was all good intention and we just care about people. So just saying. The, I had two others. We've talked about backwoods brew. Um, the last one I had, they mentioned Waycross, which is like a weirdly specific reference to a town here in Georgia. I'm pretty sure that's what she said. It's in the script, but Charlene says something she was talking about. I don't care if Odell goes to wherever, wherever. Waycross was one of the places she said, like, I don't care if he goes there to get married. Uh, I really can't figure out why she mentioned Waycross. I couldn't. Did you have this in your notes anywhere? I I think I, I looked it up and then I couldn't find anything that made sense to me and I dropped right. it. Like there was nothing in there about like it was the only place you could legally get married. Like it's not like it's a, a Vegas of Georgia, you know, like you can legally get married within an hour or anything. I didn't find anything like that. So I don't know why she mentioned it. So I have nothing useful to share there, but I did find out that the Bubba Burger was invented in Waycross. Really? Mm-hmm. So, oh, and Waycross is a town that's about four mile, uh, four hours south of Atlanta. Okay. South from Atlanta. Let me just say, I don't know if it's south. I'm not great with that. It's four hours from Atlanta. So this okay. is a weird reference. Maybe it's just like this idea of it's like, I don't care if you get married in Timbuktu. Maybe. But yeah. <laughs> Waycross is, I don't know that that's the one that would have come to mind for me. Yeah. It is, I don't know. It's just a weird. reference. Hmm. Um, though, I think, oh, I've got a couple. Suzanne goes on this tear. You mentioned earlier the perspiration thing. Mm-hmm. But she goes on this tear about how she doesn't perspire and no one in her family does, nor have they in three generations. And I just felt like that sounded very like Southern Bellish. Yeah. Um, not embellish like a Southern Bell. But also. Ish. <laughs> uh, references that we need to talk about outside of Southern references. Uh, Charlene said she was late because she was watching this morning show and she says, Harry, what's his name? Just kept announcing the time. Uh, I think that's Harry Smith who was on the CBS morning show. It's my grandfather. That was his name. Oh, oh, I should have trigger warning warning to you before I said that. Oh, I mean, I'm fine. Okay. (laughs) Uh, so Harry, not Selena's grandfather, Smith hosted the CBS morning shows, like a combination of them for 17 years. Um, and then, of course, Designing Women was on CBS. That's so funny. I thought they were talking about Harry Connick Jr. 
Like I just I was like oh. maybe he was on the show that day like singing and uh, in Times Square or something. I think he was already singing. He wound up being on Cheers around that time. Okay. Um, I think he's just aged well. Oh, he's he is. A, He's very beautiful. Fine wine. He really is. <laughs> You're a fine wine, sir. He's very beautiful. Um, but so I had not put that together. I did think it was weird that we got that sort of like in-show plug. Mm-mm. And then I'll go ahead and connect that to my reference, which was uh, some good old-fashioned McDonald's product placement. Designing Women, brought to you by McDonald's. Anthony brings in Chicken McNuggets. Oh. A filet fish Classics. Um, but we also get a McDLT. Did you know what this was? I'm guessing no. not, since you didn't notice the McDonald's product placement. I, ju- I don't remember it. I probably noticed it. I don't remember it. McDLT. <laughs> this is, I had to look it up. It's where they put the meat on one side, and then they put the veggies and cheese on the other in this, like, styrofoam contraption thing. And it's to keep the lettuce and tomato from getting mushy. Oh, sure. I want to bring up the fact that why would you put the cheese on the other side and not on the meat? This is apparently, I'm not the only one who feels this way because this is like you want the cheese on the meat to melt. You want it to melt. Yeah. So you don't have hard cheese. Anyways, it gets discontinued in 1998. What I don't understand is why I don't remember that because I hate to admit it, but we were alive in 1998 and I don't have any memory of this. I just need to mention one more thing to you. There is a glorious commercial that comes out in the late 80s with um, Jason Alexander, a.k.a. George Costanza Mm -hmm. from Seinfeld, where there's like literally a musical happening around this McDLT. And he's like running through the street singing. You know, my McDonald's reference is forever and always going to be the McRib from um, Ozzy Osbourne's daughter on the Osbournes mm. lost her mind over the McRib. And yeah, for, people love it. That's when I think of McDonald's. It's not natural. I, that's one of the things I think of. The McRib. Everything else there is natural. For sure. Yeah, the, but the McRib. And that fish. Yeah. I'm not feeling good about that. <laughs> Have you had it? I'm not feeling good about it. So, so you've no. never had it. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's not bad. <laughs> I don't know there's any fast food that I haven't tried. Can I also just mention yeah. Three Rivers Junior College is where she says Odell goes to school. That is actually a public community college in Poplar Bluff, and it was founded in 1966. Oh, okay. All right. All right. I wanted to mention that. Did you have other references? I did not. I'll just say that we did get a Chuck Berry reference. He is uh, the pioneer of rock and roll, so I feel like we'll just give him a little, because, you know, that's important. And we also get a Sammy Davis Jr mention as well um so also a pretty swell guy so part of the rat pack i don't really i don't what i'm trying not to do is go on a 20 minute explanation of who everyone is listen if you're listening and you don't know who sammy davis jr is please go look him up no no send us an email and tell us you want an extra sugar on it because then we, we can do something different. That's we true. We can I go down the rabbit hole. I don't know that he's Southern, but we'll still do we'll one. We'll figure out something. We'll fi- I'm sure he We would. don't always co- cover Southern stuff in extra sugar. Only su- Yeah, you're right. We don't. <laughs> <clears throat> Cut lines. Uh, there were a couple of cuts in the middle of the episode, that scene where Odell shows up, but there was one really big one. So you were asking earlier if that, if something you were bringing up was cut and like maybe that was a big part of the episode. I don't think so. Cause this was the cut that like said the most to me. 
they actually explain why they want to get married so quickly and that it's not pregnancy and that it's not anything else and why they need Charlene's help. Um, so I guess it's Odell says, Judge Clarkson said he couldn't marry us and no other preacher in town would either because they knew how our families feel. So Charlene, I was hoping maybe you could help us. And she says, Odell. And he says, no, sissy's not pregnant. We're just in love. That's all. And mommy and daddy weren't any older than us when they got married. Um, and Charlene says, couldn't you all just wait a little bit longer? You know, just give everybody a chance to get used to the idea. Charlene, they'll never get used to the idea. At least the Sloans won't. Anyway, we're tired of waiting. We've been waiting all our lives. You mean you two have never? No, we're both virgins. Hey, don't be telling them that. Well, it's the truth. So you've been saving yourself for each other? Oh, that's so romantic. I think I'm going to cry. Yeah, I think I'll cry too. Anyway, Charlene, we're ready to get the show on the road. So I struggle with that because it is a big cut, but also like, I don't know that it gave anything to the episode. It just sort of explains a little bit more about why they, again, losing your virginity and being that being a requirement of marriage, like is another dated plot line, but it sort of explains a little bit more why they were sort of in a hurry and... Oh, they wanted to get laid. Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about it from that perspective. That, that was the whole point. That's oh. why they were saying they wanted to get married I so think quickly. They really got to get the show on the road. They got to get the show on the road. <laughs> We've been in love since we were 11 and we're 19. I think it was, I'm not arguing that it was like a cut that ruined the episode or anything. Sure, sure. It, more than anything, we probably would have spent a lot of time talking about like what a jacked up storyline that is, that you have to be married in order oh, buddy. to, and, and then that's why oh, you should rush getting don't married. Don't worry, we'll get there too. We've got <laughs> lots of extra sugars this, this season. <laughs> so anyway, that was the only cut line I really wanted to talk about. Okay. So our next episode, episode 15, Full Moon. This is what I was thinking of. We're going to have an extra sugar in that episode that is not Southern. It's mm. just about full moons. Oh, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. We'd love everyone to follow along with us and engage. Instagram and Facebook at Sweet Tea and TV. You can email us at sweetteatvpod at gmail.com. And our website is sweetteatv.com. Um, on Instagram, we did a reel, since you brought up Bucky's at the top of this episode, we did a reel about what if the designing women shopped at Bucky's, what would they buy? Mm -hmm. So if you're not looking at us on Instagram, that would be a fun one to go back and look for. Um, as always, we're so grateful to everyone for listening week after week. Um, and if you're inclined to support the show a little bit more, there are some options. You can tell your friends and family about us. You can rate and review the podcast wherever you listen. And then you can visit the support us tab on our website where you can find a couple other ways to support the show, including joining our Patreon circle, um, which can be fun because sometimes there's some fun stuff we drop in there mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and hang tight for extra sugar. What are you going to talk about this week, Selena? We're going to dig into arguably... The greatest feud in all of American history. And it just happens to be right down here in the South. That's it. Oh, oh that's it. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> well, you know what that means. What does it mean, Selena? It means we'll see you around the bend. Bye. Welcome to this week's edition of Extra Sugar. <sighs> okay, so I may have not been the biggest fan of this week's episode, mm -hmm. but... Me neither. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that said, I was a big fan of what it gave me the opportunity to explore. Mm -hmm. And it was hard to watch and not think about one of the most famous family feuds in American history, the Hatfields and the McCoys. Mm -hmm. For me, it feels like I've known about them just my entire life. 
I think it speaks to how deeply entrenched they are in American culture because the most critical events first happened some 150 years ago. Oh, my. How familiar are you with the feud? I am not familiar. I am familiar enough to know it exists. Mm -hmm. And to your point, like, I can't remember a time when I didn't know this was a thing. Right. I don't know the specifics. Right. So I I think similar before this started. Mm -hmm. uh, I I knew the bare minimum going into this segment. Uh, While I I wouldn't say I've ever given it a ton of thought. I'm not ever sitting there. I'm like, oh, it's got to think. I mean, I have now. Those Hatfields and McCoys. Now it's like it's really been on the brain a lot lately. But typically it had not been. But I will say that my vision of these families was really quite caricature-like and and cartoonish. And very much so, I think, like some of the things that were being described in this episode. Okay. Moonshine drinking, smoking corn cob pipes, like that kind of thing. Yes, because there's that place in Pigeon Forge that's the Hatfield and McCoy dinner. Oh, uh-huh. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. I don't think I've been inside, but I've seen it from the street. I think the sign is like yellow. There's like guns and maybe cowboy hats or something. Naturally. So. We're just really playing it up. Yep. Even in the South. Yep. Um, So, but I do think we'll get there, but it's actually not surprising that these kind of caricature-like images come to mind. Um, But before we dig in, let's do what we always do, and let's start with the basics. (laughs) So, what is a feud? What is a family feud? Um, A TV show. If you... We'll get there. <laughs> uh, feud is a prolonged and beater, a beater, a bitter, maybe. Sometimes. A bitter quarrel or dispute. A family feud is a bitter, often prolonged quarrel or state of enmity, especially such a state of hostilities between two families or clans. And yes, you were wondering, it's rumored that the infamous feud inspired the game show. Oh. So, in fact, members of both families appeared on the show in 1979. In case you were wondering, again, the Hatfields won. So, I looked into some other Southern feuds, but uh, in the interest of time and sanity, we'll keep our focus to the one and then link to some of these others if you want to learn more. Because today, guys, there's no time for quibbles, quarrels, or minor disputes. We're talking about the mama and daddy of all feuds, y'all. It's the Hatfields and the McCoys. Let's talk about the cause to start off. So it depends on who you ask, but there were really two major players involved in those most crucial and heated years. The patriarchs of both families, Mr. William Anderson Hatfield, a.k.a. Devil Anns, and Randolph or Randall McCoy. Here's where it gets tricky if not obvious. And that's the fact that there wasn't always a feud. So we're talking about people who went to war together. They worked together. Some of them were married to one another. So it makes it uh, a little enmeshed from the very get. But from 1865 through 1880, historians point to three different events as the starting point of the feud. Number one is the murder of Randall's brother, Harmon. Sounds serious. Two, Randall accusing Floyd Hatfield of stealing his Razorbacks. I do mean pigs. These were a huge commodity in Appalachia. So it's like it literally was equated to taking food off of someone's table. 
Okay. And then number three, a fairly disastrous and brief love affair between the two patriarchs' children, which does feel a little bit to hearken to this episode, except I think it turns out a little happier for Odell. Real quick, you said the Razorbacks being like a big commodity in Appalachia. Does that mean, where did this happen? Is this Virginia? Okay. West Virginia? It's uh, Kentucky and West Virginia. Okay. And we'll talk a little bit about how that factors into the story. But yeah, it's actually across like a boundary stream that runs between those two areas. Okay. Got it. Uh, And please, as always, do let me know if you have questions. I, I think I'm with historian Dean King, who likens those three events to, quote-unquote, a bonfire lit from three different sides. Mm. The conflagration grew out of these events, though they occurred over a span of decades and gained strength from their accumulation. So. Sounds like a dumpster fire lit from three sides. I, th- I think that might be fair. Mm. Um, I'm actually reading a book right now by Dean King that is uh, taking a bunch of different historical documents and um, trying to piece together what happened uh, in, well, I mean, this is a 10 year old book now. So, um, but it's, I think it's one of the more in-depth accounts uh, to date. So if things were tense before with these three things that also include a murder, murder, yeah, they really heated up on a local election day in 1882. So at that time, three of Randall McCoy's sons got into it with two of Devil Ann's Hatfield's brothers. And I'm bringing those last names in again, so just to try and connect. Um, I know it's kind of weird to hear a story where you're hearing names right? people that you're not really familiar with. So I can slow down if it's getting complicated. But anyways, so the McCoy brothers wound up stabbing Ellison Hatfield 27 times. And then they shot him in the back. Holy moly. In the account that I'm reading right now, it does feel worth mentioning that apparently election day, like literally folks didn't get out much and there wasn't much to do because <laughs> these people do a lot of working. So election days wound up being like these very lecherous events where everyone was just like really wasted the whole Same-sies. time. Well, that's how I handle my elections <laughs> for sure. Um, so, um, So they're all like, just totally toasted. Um, I'm not saying like we all get wasted now and just murder each other, but I just, anyways, it does feel, we all get wasted and go to bed early. (laughs) Right. Well, that's your thirties. That's your thirties. And when you have things to do around town, (laughs) I do feel like a lot of this could like, if they would have just opened up Applebee's, (laughs) I think I feel like some lives would have been saved. Anyways, just saying. Um, Skating rink. Right. But so the three uh, McCoy sons, they are apprehended by like the law. But the Hatfields get a hold of them and they bring them back to Hatfield territory. They tied them up to some bushes, bushes and they shot and killed all of them on the news of Ellison's death. So what? three of Randall McCoy's sons are killed because one of Devil Anza's brothers is killed. Okay, we're getting to the eye for an eye stuff. I was going to say an eye for three eyes. Three for three eyes. Two so, eyes for six eyes. Some, <laughs> thank you for doing the math. <laughs> by 1887, someone check that math. <laughs> um, Don't. By 1887, the media gets wind of things and they began reporting on the story Responsibly, of course. Sure. Uh, all culminating in what became known as the New Year's Massacre in 1888. Basically, a bunch of Hatfields, led by uh, Devil Anza's son, ambushed the McCoy's home. Two of Randall's children are killed in a <gasps> crossfire. 
Now, we're saying children. I don't know they were really children, children. A child is always a child. That's true. They're his children, though. Uh, his wife was already also badly injured. And when Lord. I say badly injured, I mean like her skull is crushed. Ah! She survives, but it was bad. So nine Hatfields are eventually rounded up by a bounty hunter and taken to jail. The case goes all the way to the Supreme Court. SCOTUS determines these men can be tried in Kentucky. This comes back to your point. They're in West Virginia, but they are allowed to take them back across the boundary for, you know, a trial or whatever. Eight are sentenced to life in prison. The ninth, Cotton Top Mounts, believed to be the son of Ellison Hatfield. This is the guy who was shot years ago at the election day, was publicly hanged in 1890. He was known to be mentally challenged, and many believe he was likely a scapegoat. Mm. Let's talk about the length of the feud. Much like the beginning of the feud, it is disputed. (laughs) (laughs) There's lots of disputes here. We just can't, we can't come to agreements, and that seems to be part of the problem. But It seems that it lasted about 30 years from the mid-1860s to the late 1890s. Get this. They finally, the two families, shook on it 80 years after the end. And then, finally, in 2003, the feud officially ended when the family signed a truce in an event broadcast by the Saturday Early Show. Opportunistic. So interesting. So the body count. Estimates range from 20 to 100. So What? It's a, a lot of people. But here's where it really gets interesting. More so than... Gets more interesting than death, murder? I think so. Lechery on election day? <laughs> yes, because we have a nice southern angle coming about here. So more interesting than timelines... M- I don't want to say more interesting than body counts. Obviously, people's lives, very important. But I do want to talk about the outside influences that exacerbated the feuding. Mm. So I'm not not sitting here saying that all of these people were stand-up, excellent individuals. Right. But what I am saying is someone's fueling the fire around here. So first, going back to your question from earlier, it's really important because where they are is really important. Again... They uh, live in central Appalachia with the Hatfields and McCoys living on opposite side sides of what's known as the Tug Fork. This is a border stream with most McCoys living on the Kentucky side and most Hatfields living on the West Virginia side. While it's easy enough for people to lump this area into the south, it's really different. It's not really the north. It's not really the south, particularly for the people who live there. Their resources are also different. There's access to waterways, there's a lot of timber, and there's a lot of coal. And eventually, in a post-Civil War era, while mostly this area is ignored completely, industry and investors with dollar signs in their eyes come a-calling. Families throughout the region were swindled out of thousands of acres of land, and younger generations watched as their opportunities evaporated. And this seeded a lot of anger only adding fuel to the fire. As communities and families saw what they had taken, they turned on one another in desperation of losing everything. So while there was certainly violence, as historian Chuck Keeney pointed out, it's interesting 
how the U.S. accepted and glorified similar violence in places like the West, with mm-hmm. like the OK Corral and all of this. They associated that with bringing progress, while it was condemned in Appalachia and seen as impeding progress. We can also probably think, at least in part, both our politicians and the media. So local politicians were very busy lining their pockets with these industrial opportunities and too busy to protect the people in their own backyards. They justified their actions by dispensing the narrative that these primitive people needed help and that they were bringing progress into these areas. At the same time, the media descended, reporting only the juicier bits of the story. In fact, many historians agree that the beginnings of the hillbilly stereotype are firmly rooted in the sensationalized media coverage at the time, and it haunts this region and all of rural America to this day. This is also at the time that yellow journalism is kicking up, so... They just really didn't care. You know, I'm just saying. They just didn't give a darn. I feel like there's a theme. Darn. I know. <laughs> well, I think also the other thing that sort of struck me as I was going through and learning all of this is how many of these themes are the same today. Right. An angry generation ready to burn it down. A media who is sometimes irresponsible. Politicians who say one thing and do another. It's like we're not really learning our lesson. And then me, watching it all on TV while I eat my popcorn. (laughs) Hey, but you're not reading the paper. It's true. (laughs) It's true. Um, So, like all cultures, the people of Appalachia are complex, diverse, and unique. It's both inaccurate and unfair to categorize an entire region as cabin-dwelling, moonshine-swilling, shotgun-toting stereotype instead of seeking to label we might try to understand, which of course is what we're interested in here at Sweet Tea and TV. What I've shared today barely scratches the surface. There are so many fascinating angles and themes to explore from this part of history. If I've piqued your interest at all, I want to plug a few of my sources, one being PBS's The Feud, which is part of their larger American Experience series, as well as the book I mentioned earlier by Dean King. The name of that book is The Feud, The Hatfields and the McCoys, The True Story. I'm about a third of the way through, and it's really fascinating. I mean, I mean, honestly, too, just because this country is such a different place. You think it was different in 1989. Mm. You should have seen it in 1889. It's just weird to think about it. Like, law enforcement is so different at that mm. time. There wasn't state police. You had, like, a lot of local people who were like, Sure, I'm a farmer, but I'm also a part-time police officer. You know, also not called a police officer. I think constable or something like that. I'm so. also one of the Hatfields arresting the McCoys. Which also plays into this I'm sure. Lot. I imagine. Yeah, so that part is really interesting as well. Anyways, all of this is a good reminder for everyone. There are myths. There are legends. And then there's the truth. And that is this week's Extra Sugar. <laughs> 